Chapter 7 of Hard to Beat by a Self-Made Man This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 Bob Catches On to a Tip in the Subway That was a bang-up show last night, said Phil Sharp, when he met Bob the next morning at the 125th Street Underground Station, both the boys being bound downtown for business. First class, replied his friend, who had treated the seats at Proctor's Uptown Playhouse. I'm dead gone on that Miss Sylvester who did the skipping rope dance. Are you? grinned Bob. Well, don't let her husband hear of it. Her husband? ejaculated Phil with a blank look. Sure, that was her husband, the fat man who did the juggling turn. Now you know that. They were both in the cigar store near 7th Avenue, where the big Washington statue is, night before last while I was getting a shave in the rear, and the head barber told me who they were. You were getting a what? A haircut, grinned Bob. You said a shave, insisted Phil, but an express rolled in at that moment and the boys rushed for a seat. You know Jones or Cashier, said Phil as he turned to the baseball news in his paper. Yes, what about him, asked Bob. He's telling it all around that he's acquired a third interest in a yacht. Duncan ought to watch him, then. Why so? He might become a full-fledged skipper. Ha, ha, ha! laughed the fat man next to Bob, who had got in on the joke. Phil turned around and stared at him. Say, he whispered to Bob, what ails that fellow? Something hit his risable faculties and lodged there, grinned Bob. Didn't you see it? See what? Say, Phil, you're like the atmosphere in this tunnel. How's that? You're rather dense. Stop your kidding. I'm not kidding. I said you were dense, and I can prove it. How can you? demanded Phil aggressively. Because you can't tell me the highest office within the gift of the American people. Oh, any fool knows that. Well, what is it, Smarty? The presidency, of course. You're wrong. The highest office is the weather signal station on Pike's Peak. <laughs> Snickered the fat man again. Ah, oh, Brooks, you make me weary, snorted Phil in a tone of disgust. Then he turned his back to his friend and began to read the scores. That wasn't so bad, young man, chipped in the fat man, digging him in the side with his elbow. Not quite as bad as a rotten egg, retorted Bob, who resented the punch. The fat man subsided. Bob opened his own paper and turned to the financial news. Several passengers, including the fat man, got out at 42nd Street, and others took their places. A couple of prominent politicians sat down next to Bob. They began talking together in a low tone about a legislative deal then in progress. The bill is sure to go through in spite of the newspapers and the Citizens Committee, which has gone to Albany to protest against it. I've got the tip right from headquarters. What you want to do now is to buy all the consolidated gas you can pay for in the next day or two. It's 180 this morning and feverish. This time next week, mark my words, it'll pass the 200 mark. Now remember, not a word to anybody about this, but go right in and buy for all you're worth. And Bob Brooks' sharp ears heard every word of that pointer, and it set him to thinking. He looked at consolidated gas and the transactions of the stock exchange and saw that it had fluctuated the preceding day from 179 to 181 and closed at 180. I've a great mind to put my little pile into it. This man next to me is evidently in touch with the situation at Albany. Let me see, how many shares could I buy on a 10% margin? 
He figured it out that it would cost him $1,375 to get 75 shares, and my roll foots up $1,375. Guess I'll do it, if I can get it at 180 Long about 11 o'clock, Mr. Scrooge sent him to the exchange with a note from Mr. Sharpley, and on his way back, Bob stopped in at Treadwell & Company and asked them to buy 75 shares of consolidated gas at 180 and put up his money like a little man. From that moment, Bob took a sudden interest in the political situation at the state capitol, and the next morning he noticed the consolidated gas had risen to 182. In the meantime, Mrs. Dickens, true to her word, sent him the 40 Red Dog certificates representing 20,000 shares of the mining stock, and Bob put them in the office safe along with the shares he had already acquired. Thus he controlled 30,000 shares of the mine, though actual owner of but 20,000. A couple of days later, while the gas legislation at Albany was still undecided, though the bill had been passed by the Senate and sent back to the Assembly, in consequence of which Consolidated Gas had advanced to 186, and was extremely buoyant at that. He received a note from Mrs. Dickens as follows. Albemarle Hotel, September 21st, 1905. Dear Mr. Brooks, A gentleman named William Smithers called on me yesterday with reference to those certificates of Red Dog Mining Stock, he had been up to 129th Street looking for Mr. Dickens, of whose death he was unaware. When he found I had moved from there, he took measures to hunt me up, and finally located me at this hotel. He wanted to buy the stock, and finally offered me as high as eight cents a share for it. Then I referred him to you as my representative for the stock, thinking that you might consider it advisable to make the sale for I think the figure very liberal. When I mentioned your name and address, I thought the man would have a fit. I can't imagine what ailed him. He said nothing more, but took his departure at once. You will, of course, use your own judgment as to whether you will sell the stock or not if this gentleman should call on you. I have perfect confidence in your business sagacity. Hoping you will soon find the time to call on me, I remain very sincerely yours, Clara Dickens. Gee, I don't wonder Mr. Smithers had a fit. I've headed him off from about all the red dog there is in New York. I'll bet he's mad enough to do me up if he could get the chance. I doubt if I'd take a certified check from him today for an amount covering my holdings at 25 cents a share. That afternoon there was a short item in the Globe which hinted at developments in the forgotten Red Dog Mine at Goldfield, Nevada, and the probability that the stock might be listed again on the Western Exchanges. Kitty saw it and pointed it out to Bob. Looks as if things are coming our way, doesn't it? Yes, replied the boy, looking pleased. But I scarcely expected anything would leak out through the papers yet a while. That item will start a number of interested persons on a still hunt for corroborative evidence, and before long everybody will know that Red Dog has come on earth a second time. Bob cut the item out and mailed it to Mrs. Dickens with a few words acknowledging the receipt of her note. End of chapter 7